When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. From tonight and into tomorrow, uh, it is going to change. We've got rain on the way for tomorrow and some heavy bursts of rain expected for Friday. And the weekend is going to see rain uh, with some gales and severe gusts are possible. So we're in for a bit of a a stormy uh, old weekend. But there's wonderful photographs in all of the papers. Photographers must love the weather and they love when the weather changes. And they're out and about. Gorgeous photographs of, you know, children surrounded by daffodils and just real spring photographs. But the one that really caught my eye is on the front page of the Irish Independent and it is two Trinity College students in their bikinis in the sea in Seapoint Beach in South Dublin. Uh, parts of the country did go to 17 degrees but he, girls, I don't know if it was quite warm enough to get into a bikini and get into the sea and one wonders had had they never heard the saying to never cast a cloth until May is out. The minute I saw it I said they'll catch their death, they'll end up with kidney infections and I'm sounding to start like my mother. 1850 Hopefully you are enjoying this uh, fine weather. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 086 103. Coming up on the programme this morning we are going to talk about the Revenue Commissioner's bit of a change of mind here. They are delaying that's not a full U-turn. They are just slightly changing their mind. They're veering off course. They are, have decided to delay the introduction of the VAT rate of 23% on all health food supplements, which was due to be introduced this Friday, the 1st of March. And at the moment, health food supplements have a zero rate when it comes to VAT. So it meant every single product all of your vitamins and your minerals and your your fish oils, all of those would go up by 23% from Friday. And because most of them are sold in smaller health shops, they're small little businesses, there's no way that they would be able to suck up that kind of an increase and not pass it on to customers. They, they really would have had no choice at all but to pass it on. And we certainly have been talking a lot about this on the programme and I know a lot of our listeners got really, really engaged in this and people were signing. There was an online petition that people were, were signing and it seems that more than 60,000 people signed a petition urging the government not to follow through with this planned increase. But from what I can understand, it was a decision made by the Revenue Commissioners rather than a decision made 
by the Department of Finance or the Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, because it certainly wasn't included in the budget last October. It was something that was announced last December by the Revenue Commission Commissioners. They decided to introduce this, but there was a lot of debate has gone on and a lot of public outcry and it's sort of one of those things where if enough people stand up and say no this is not right if enough people shout from the rooftops and enough people get involved in things like that petition I don't know the 60,000 do they all come from the online petition that we were talking about or whether they I know I think there was petitions as well inside in a lot of the health shops where people went in they were being encouraged to sign but if enough people stand up to be counted then changes can be made and that's exactly what Jackie uh, is saying on this Jackie says people power if we the people get together and act together as in sign petitions Uh, perhaps our politicians will actually listen to those that at the end of the day employ them. Now we're trying to find out exactly what this means but as of now if you're going out at the weekend to buy anything from the health food store or any of those supplements then your VAT rate is going to remain the same because I know we certainly were hearing of a lot of people who were stockpiling them in order to try to save them some money. People were so worried about these particular vitamins and minerals not being available to them. And the majority of people take these vitamins and minerals and supplements, they they take them to keep themselves healthy, to avoid having to go to the doctor, to avoid having to go to hospital, to avoid having to tie up the health service and cost the health service more. So ultimately, by looking after your own health, You're saving the exchequer money. So it did seem very unfair, this particular VAT increase. It did look like it was targeting people who were trying to look after their own uh, health. Uh, Also on the programme this morning, advice to parents about the latest internet craze that we're hearing about. It's the Momo challenge. It's one of those things you need to sort of start talking to your children about it, start mentioning it in conversation, see if they heard about it, what do they know about it, from what I can gather from any research I've been doing on it over the last few days, it doesn't look like it's hit this country in a major way. There has been some cases reported of the Momo Challenge in Northern Ireland, but certainly there's been cases worldwide, including a couple of very frightening cases where it's led to suicide of children due to taking part in this Momo Challenge. So we've invited an expert on cybersecurity to join us just to offer advice to parents on how do you handle situations like this and how do we make sure that we keep all of our children safe. This is Eating Disorder Awareness Week. It runs right across this week. So it's an opportunity for us to talk about eating disorders, to talk about the various eating disorders, the causes uh, of them, the prevention, how to prevent an eating disorder. That's another uh, important topic, but also very important that we talk about the help that is uh, available. So we're also going to be focusing on it by speaking with a nurse who had an eating disorder but realised that she had a problem, went and got the help and she joins us to, to share her story and just showing I think giving hope to people because when we do information pieces like this, I'm always thinking of and aware of somebody listening to us who's suffering from an eating disorder or perhaps a family member who's living with somebody because it must be very difficult for a parent, for example, 
to live with a child who's battling an eating disorder it must be just one of the most horrific things to have to watch and deal with so I'm always conscious when we're doing pieces like this that we can offer as much help and support to families like that so if you have a question about an eating disorder get it in because as I say we have the experts we'll have experts joining us on the programme today 1850 and we also are going to focus on a wonderful charity that I came across on Facebook it's called the Blankets of Hope and it basically is a charity where they encourage people to knit or to crochet a blanket that they then pass on to all of the cancer units in all of the hospitals in Cork. I think they've been passing them to Cork-based charity. I think they've passed them on to Kerry as well. Uh, and it's just lovely. It's just one of those very simple ideas that deserves publicity because by giving it publicity, we might encourage other people who are good at the old knitting or good with the crochet hook that you might like to make one of these blankets and donate it to the Blankets of Hope or maybe you have wool that you would like to donate. So we'll find out more about Blankets of Hope on the programme and on this lovely what is going to be a promise here. Those clouds are going to blow away and we're going to get a blue blue sky and the sun is going to come out at some stage uh, today. And it might encourage you out into the garden. So take it over the last few days. It was wonderful yesterday to get the smell of fresh cut grass in the neighbourhood and you could see people out in the garden. If you've been out in the garden and you've got a question for Peter Dowdle, our resident gardener, you can get that in as well. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking those calls and you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and just spotted a text him somebody picking up on the piece I did about the two young Trinity College students who were on the front page of the Irish Independent today who were swimming yesterday and I just thought oh it's a, I don't know if it's that warm enough for swimming Rob says when I was saying the, the saying I grew up with was never cast a cloth till May is out uh, Rob says you should never swim when there's an R in the month and there definitely is an R in February when we're talking about swimming and going swimming in February those young students on the front of the Irish Independent today Michael says there's an old saying about swimming Patricia April and May stay away from the sea June and July stay until you die I had never heard that before but it does tie in with my never cast a cloth till May is out and the other listener who was making the point that you never swim when there's an hour in the month which should mean May should be the first month if you want to take an old dip in the sea but well done to those two brave young students they certainly are braver than I am that is for sure some of your calls coming in thank you to somebody who's pointed out that the clean up has started at Bally at, or sorry, Bally, at Ellis Yard between Blackpool and Ballyvalan. This was this illegal dump that we had spoken about a couple of weeks ago on the programme. Wasn't it with Councillor Ken O'Flynn was talking about it? Anyways, a listener's been on to say diggers were spotted on the site this morning. So that certainly is good news for the people living in that area. And I spoke about the Blankets of Hope that we're going to talk a little bit about later on, this charity that we've discovered where they encourage people to knit blankets and they're given to the cancer ward uh, to all of the city hospitals. Well, the Mallow Library Knitters have been on to say they've sent in a good few blankets to Cork University Hospital in Cork and they're actually knitting a few more at the moment. And um, for the call in to say thank you to all the ladies who carry out the knitting in Mallow Library. That's a nice social thing to do as well, isn't it? Everybody sit around and knit together. We were talking about VAT and we will be talking about this in more detail uh, later on. And this is the VAT on the health food.
food shops and the supplements and it's been they're, they're rowing back on the decision they haven't removed it completely but they've said that they'll hold back until the 1st of November instead of introducing it on the 1st of March that's prompted Tom to say is there VAT on food items so did a quick Google search for you Tom on the revenue website and the supply of food and drink for human consumption consumption is subject to a number of different rates of VAT. The applicable VAT rate depends on the food and drink concerned. In general, though, most food sold by retail shops is subject to VAT at zero rate. And then they go through through things like, you know, takeaway food and hot food. And it's one of the things, the, the stupidity of putting the 23% on health foods, one of the stupid VAT rates was pointed out was you could go in and get a burger and I think a burger was set was it at 9% or 13% anyway it was certainly less than the 23% that they were looking to put on and that they're still looking to put on the food supplements anyway the zero rate of VAT for food is on things like bread and butter and cheese cereals condiments flour fruit, herbs, your meat, your milk, your pasta, all of that. And then there's a standard rate of VAT that applies on items of food and drink which are excluded from the scope of the zero rate and they look at things like bottled water, soft drinks, alcohol, ice cream, frozen desserts, potato crisps, you know, snacks, kind of the unhealthy food, chocolates and sweets uh, is in there uh, as well. And then they go through all of the different VAT that you'd pay, you know, when you go to restaurants. And of course, that increased uh, as well because of the increase in the in the tourism sector uh, for their rate of VAT. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. And you can uh, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Flora Gelga, RC 103. Rugged Jacob Stockdale, Ern True Law in Ard Rugger, Agase Anna O. Drastel Shea Er Ard Skull de Valish, Agas Brunak Gradam Imrahornablina Er, Nina Guna. Dimmer Clehani Er Ern Naher in Fuifeha. Agus Hussig Shaig Immert Lakuga Ulla Agus A Fos Navelina Degdish. Tugug on Lassanum Stocky Jockey Air, Tisk A Vic Hohard Agus Cole Ordershin. Bernik A Er Fanil Naherin, De Hrossar Govil Sashakte, Agus Anam Nik A Mar Lake Nahimraha in Aigon Argentine. Toshakt Ud Aimshaha A Jacob Stockdale, A Gravena Shay Nashun Govilas Uktig. Gashka and Nakhvil Dainteg, Ain Imr or Ella, Isterna Grava. Is Imr Untuk E Agus Inspira de Guina Oga E. Le Blur Guelga is Misha Malinigul or Guelskal Hamasta Vishmala. And on swimming at this time of the year, uh, a listener says, good morning from a lovely Bantry. We have 10 swimmers out swimming near the Abbey each and every morning, 6.30am. They are the healthiest people that anyone could meet. Oh, listen, absolutely. They're very hardy swimmers and I have such respect for them. People that go swimming 365 days of the year and they, but the cold just gets to me. I would not be able to do it, but I have huge respect for people that do it. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 86 103. Now, experts have warned parents to monitor their children's activity online after a game which allegedly encourages children to self-harm is working its way around the internet. Joining me with words of advice 
about the Momo challenge is Avril Ronan, who's child safety expert with Trend Micra in Cork based cyber security uh, company. Good morning to you, Avril. Good morning. Uh, and yeah, very well, and you're welcome to, to the programme. I suppose, firstly, what is known to date about this Momo challenge, and do we know if, it, if it's reached Ireland yet? Uh, there are no reports. There are no known, known reports. Um, and therefore, I, I, I honestly would say to parents out there that, you know, it's, it's similar to maybe the Blue Haze you might have heard of last yeah. a few years ago. Uh, Momo has been out since last July. Um, but it, it's uh, right now, I would say it's an online urban legend. And the frightening thing is that for me here in Twin Micro and the work that we do in community, the fact that people, including kids, are just so eager and willing to believe anything they see online. And it's a true public safety issue and a solid, like, such a solid argument for teaching media literacy and digital citizenship at all ages. You know, if you see something online, do you believe it the minute you see it? Do you click it? Mm. And why would you click it? This is a huge public safety issue that we really need to be more concerned about. And and I think the big thing behind this as well, um, Tricia, is that if you're connected to the internet, and if you, ca- if you, whatever age you are, if you can talk to somebody online, that means that anybody can approach you, either anonymously or with a name, but who's to know whether they're real or not. And they can actually target your vulnerabilities. They can uh, demand things off you. They can uh, be aggressive in nature. They can try and blackmail you, be threatening, aggressive, secretive. It doesn't matter... You know, it can be through any form of social media, through gaming, it can be through anything. But I, I think with this challenge in particular, it's targeting your greatest fears as a parent and parents can now visualise the danger because they got the picture. Yeah, I mean, the picture for people who didn't see it, it's a, an animated uh, woman who looks uh, really scary. And, you know, certainly any of the research that I've been doing over the last few days, it does look like it's all a little bit of a, of, of an urban myth. But it's the w- an online y- urban myth. Yeah, but and, and the one thing about this is it gets parents focused on monitoring their children. And do you know what? Probably, if, if I could say the best thing about this is that we're talking today and if we Absolutely. can one parent here this morning talking about this, here's what they need to be focused on as parents and any teachers or guardians out there. We need to look at cyberbullying, predators grooming kids online and access to pornography. These are the real key issues for kids online. And if there are young people that are vulnerable online, these are the things that we need to be looking at. The reasons behind their vulnerability, low self-esteem, mental health issues, whatever that is. But when it comes to parents and what they should do when they're online, here's a few tips. Will I give you a few tips? Please do. These are basic things. I'll start at the most basic one. And it's not an app. It's not a fancy piece of technology. It's talking to your child. If they don't know about Momo, which I'd be highly surprised if they don't by now, when they come home this evening, talk to them about it. You may have to dilute it down. There are bad people out in the world and they want to do bad things. And we need to be aware of those. And if you ever see something that you're worried about or someone's asked you to do something or you've seen, you come talk to me. I won't overreact. I won't, might know how to help you, but I'm here to listen and I'm always here no matter what. And you won't get into trouble. And you will not. Yeah. It is a crime for adults to pretend to be someone else and to be demanding things of small children. And you are not to blame and it is not your fault. And to stress that with them. And that you're always there for them. And I I always issue a caution. Anyone who's ever attended any of our parent talks will will know this. 
confiscating a device as a result of, you know, children doing something inappropriate or whatever, it's a double-edged sword and we have to be very careful because children can interpret that as can't tell them anything ever again because they'll take my device away. So we have to be very, very careful about that. If there should be consequences, engage your child in solving the problem and taking responsibility. It could mean they have to say sorry to someone, they have to come off something, close the chat group, whatever it is, but work it out, get them to make those decisions and you guide them with that. But that is the most important thing, the relationship with your child, open communication. If they see something or expose to something, hear something, that they can come and talk to you. There's no magic app about that. It's basic parenting. And if we as parents are giving our kids devices, we need to be informed. We need to do our homework. We need to keep an eye on them at all times. Are parental, are parental controls good enough? So parental controls and parental supervision, they kind of go hand in hand and privacy settings. So when you are talking to your child, for example, and let's start with privacy settings, you need to talk about safety behaviours online to them. So we work, we go out to primary schools all the time, right? I'm in one tomorrow down in Mallow. And we would talk to them about the importance of privacy settings. Would you share everything with everyone publicly? Of course you wouldn't. Only friends, friends only. Reporting abuse, do you know how to do it? And sharing things, would you give out your personal information online to anyone who asked for it? Even if they say they knew you and you don't really know them. So these are the things you need kids to be thinking about. This is digital literacy and media literacy and being aware of how to be safe online. Um, and, and it's key. Parental controls are great for kids from 0 to 7, 8, 9, 10. You're training their brains into what's appropriate and not appropriate. But at the same time, they need to be aware of the greater uh, need for self-regulation and self-awareness and self-protection online because you're not always going to be there. They could log on, they could be in the next door neighbour's house and get exposed to something. They need to know what to do in a situation when you're not around and to make response, do responsible things when you're not around as well. Um, and that's why parental supervision for small kids is really important. But as kids get older, they work their way around parental control. Yeah, I, I was good. That, that leads me to teenagers. I mean, teenagers are, it's almost like their mobile, their phone is, is stuck to them. It is an extension. Yeah. It is their third arm. It you is. can't, you yeah. can't get rid of it. And they are clever. They know, they know their device inside out. They know how to get around things. Talk to me about the advice you would give to parents with teenagers in the house. So, okay, so here's an interesting one. Uh, we train transition year students to deliver the cyber safety program to first years. Wow. So, so they come into our office. Great idea. Give them a program, train them, and they go off and do it themselves. Then um, what we do is we would talk to the parents separately. So the transition years would roll out the program, and then I would have the 10 transition students who do it come with me to talk to the parents. And here's what the transition years say to the parents. We need to talk to you more about it, but we can't generally because you're not on the networks and you don't understand what we're doing online and you're just not on the same platform as we are. So while we want to talk to you about it, we feel we can't. And when I get the feedback from parents, first of all, they're like, I don't know what I should be knowing. That's why I'm here, but I've no clue what I need to know. They know more than me. And after the parent talk, when the feedback form that I would give out, the general feedback from parents is, what would you what would you do more of as a result of this? With the older kids, they say, I need to talk to my kids more. Mm. So it's about bringing parents and teen together. Forget parental controls with teenagers. It has to be about the relationship because that's all you've got left. It has to be about trust and nurturing that sense of responsibility, whether you're online or offline, whether they're down the village or whether they're online. It's the same thing. 
it's that notion of, you know, community citizenship, online and offline, that you do the right thing. And as parents and guardians, it takes a village. It's up to us to help encourage kids to always do the right thing. Whether they see cyberbullying online, whether they see someone meeting a stranger offline that they know they don't really know, that they do the right thing and talk to someone that they can trust. Do you advise limits on the amount of screen time that young people get? Absolutely. Uh, and with um, with teenagers especially, it, it has to be in agreement with parents. Otherwise, it's a constant battle and arguments. I'm sure there's parents nodding out there going, yes, yeah. um, and not smacking their head off a wall because it's not getting through. But the key is to create agreements with your with your kids, with your teens especially. Um, if you look at research, no child under two should be on any device from a developmental perspective. Uh, over two, um, no more than an hour and supervised at that with all the parental controls you can slap on and constant supervision where in your line of vision where you can see them because there's no parental control 100% safety, safety proof. Um, but I would say, you know, it's all about the conversation and that's where we parents can come in again. Teaching them the difference between, between, you know, being online and being offline and the difference between the two. And you know what? When you're online, you've got passive consumption. You can sit there and watch YouTube all day. That is not good for anyone's brain. But if you're online and you're learning French, essential French is a fabulous, uh, follow them on Instagram. You can you can start out your French for the exams, the mocks and the, the, the junior Yeah, that's, that's educational. That's yeah, it's, it's what, it's so what you, can, you do on it. It's, it's what, what you do on it. It's what you're doing. If you're on Minecraft creating stuff, that's fantastic. Um, I, I, the F word, Fortnite, I, uh, some teachers have banned the F word in some yeah. classrooms. But, you know, the world's leading surgeons are avid gamers as well. Precision, uh, Troubleshooting. But it's how long you spend on those games. How long yeah, you spend on it is the key. And well, it's negotiating with your kids about that as well. And then making rules with them where they decide how long and then you you you, you sign up to that opportunity. Okay, listen, great words of advice, Avra. Thank you for that. We'll talk again. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Avril Ronan. She's a child safety expert with uh, Trend uh, Media, or Trend Micro, my apologies. Okay, some of your thoughts in on this morning, Patricia. I heard about this game, this Momo challenge on the radio, um, and it tells children that it's a secret between them and they must not tell their parents or something bad will happen to them. It's frightening the children. Who thinks up these games it is just so frightening thank God my children have grown and Colette said I spoke to my son as I saw this on TV and I asked him about this Momo challenge he said he was playing a game and it popped up in the middle of the game it said it did frighten him but he didn't do anything he's only 10 but only for me chatting to him about it and it was just because I heard about it on TV says Colette. I mean that's exactly what Avril is saying is keeping the lines of communication going and actually any of the research that I did on that Momo challenge it was popping up in the middle of sometimes children's games. I mean one of the articles I read was somebody alleged that their their child was watching Peppa Pig which is wouldn't be a 10 year old boy would be for a much younger child and this Momo character popped up and she's a very very scary and frightening uh, face so well done Colette for talking to your son and keep those lines of communication going 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 
103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. Moves to charge VAT on food supplements has been delayed until November amid a political backlash and protests. The 23% tax increase increase was due to come in from this Friday but the Revenue Commissioners have confirmed that the rate will now stay at 0% for at least another eight months. Annalise Dressel, our nutritional expert from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolly joins me. Good morning to you Annalise. Morning Patricia. Uh, Great news but the fight isn't over yet. No, the fight isn't over yet but it is great news and you know what the, the greatest part about it I think Patricia is that people power actually worked so it's kind of restored my faith a little in government and people, people's ability to have their voice heard. So it was literally down to people power is why we've managed to get a stay on this. So the, the fight isn't over. Really, what it's just a postponement. And um, effectively, we've won a commitment from the politicians to legislate around what should be the VAT rate on health supplements. So there will be a meeting in the summertime um, where a uh, re- revenue and government meeting where this will be discussed and they will at that point make a decision on what VAT rate, if any VAT, should be applied to health supplements. So it's not fully over. We just need to help, you know, continue the fight and help frame that legislation and continue to say it should be 0% VAT. There's a massive social benefit. Because this actual decision, I mean, it wasn't announced in the budget last October. My recollection was, uh, was this just an announcement from Revenue in December? Well, yes, but this fight has actually been going on for a long time, Patricia. It's been going on for nearly eight years, and um, it had been put. The, like, there's been a lot of people in the background, very, very active in this fight. There is an association for independent health stores in Ireland. They've been massively involved. There's a couple of big health food and supplement distributors like Whole Foods and the Natural Medicine Company, to name a couple. And they've put a lot of money and a lot of time and effort for the last eight years into fighting this. Uh, But it all came to a head when the decision was made and the public got behind it. And I was speaking to somebody who was very actively campaigning um, from Whole Foods this morning and he said that it was absolutely people power (laughs) because they couldn't get a meeting with the TD but since the public got involved and he said across the country local people were, you know, campaigning and local TDs were being flooded with phone calls. It wasn't just in one area. It wasn't just the industry fighting it. It was really the public got behind this. So really, that's what swung it. So, I mean, were you surprised by the public outcry or were you expecting it? Um, I suppose I I wasn't surprised, Patricia, because I feel so strongly about (laughs) it myself. Um, And not just because it's my business, but because I can see how many people are helped by taking a natural supplement. I mean, I've had so many stories where I could tell you people came in and they had been to this specialist and that specialist and we managed to sort it out with something quite simple that had no side effects. I have people coming in on multiple medications that are sick from the medications that they're on and they're on half the amount of medications they're on is to manage their symptoms from side effects of other medications. So I suppose I was outraged on behalf of people that do manage their health naturally as well as being outraged as a business person too. Mm. And I think what really annoyed people was the, and it kept coming up as an argument, was the fact that you could go get a burger and a burger would be 9% 
Yet you'd go in to get a supplement inside in the health food store and it would be 23%. Exactly. Absolutely, Patricia. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And in Ireland, we actually are very good at, um, we're, ver- we're very good at considering alternatives. Um, the health, like we would probably have per capita more people spending money on health food supplements than they have in other countries. Um, well, than the UK, for example. So Irish people are quite open to using alternatives to medication. And I think to to prevent, you know, people from that, I think is, is actually morally wrong, really. Um, because if it's a choice that they make to manage their health without turning to medication or managing their health full stop where they're not depending on health services, I think you shouldn't be penalised for that. Yeah, and certainly a lot of our listeners, we were getting the sense they were panicking. A lot of our listeners were stockpiling and, I, and I'm sure you must have noticed that in your own shop. Oh, definitely. I was quite busy the last couple of weeks <laughs> and I almost feel like a fraud now because I was telling people, you know, in another couple of weeks it'll be going up. So there was a lot of stockpiling, but we had absolutely no way. It was literally last minute. We had no way what, it was, what way it was going to go. Um, so it, for all, we, as for, for, I even have catalogues that were sent for the next couple of months um, from the distributors that have that, the VAT included because we were so sure it was going ahead. We'd heard nothing to the contrary. And it really was, I mean, people can say, like I would like to say thank you to people and to all my customers as well. I had people who were driving to Balancolic to come in and sign the petition. Well done. That was the level of support and that commitment from people and that they were taking time to ring their TDs. That's what's done it. So I think we can, yeah, we can people congratulate power. ourselves. Yeah, people power. people power certainly works. And, you know, it was the fact that it was going from zero to 23%. It was the size of the jump was really going to have, uh, was really going to be felt by people. It was, absolutely, Patricia. And the size of the jump and also the hypocrisy is what bothered me because, as you pointed out, there was going to be over twice the tax on a health supplement than there would be on a burger or a can of Coke. Yeah, okay. So so a little bit of good news and let's just wait and see now what happens. Well, but at least they're talking, which is because it just, you know, it was almost like it got foisted in and, and but now they're, they're, they're going to listen. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's, that's a great start. We have to keep pushing though because, um, you know, I would hope that they don't think it's, you know, that we're gone away and that they're going to slide it in when they have their discussions in summer. So I do hope that they listen to the, the massive public um, support for the zero percent tax. Yes, sixty thousand signatures went in on on the on petitions. Yeah, which is huge. Which yeah. is huge. And if you consider the struggle that the service industry had when their VAT rate went from nine percent nine percent to thirteen and a half, you know, and the big difference there for us is that the public got so engaged with this, it was such an outrage to them, and that's what made the difference for us. Okay, well done. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a lovely yes. weekend. Thanks, and thanks Patricia. for joining us. That is uh, Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. And Heidi says, great news, Patricia, for the supplements, people power. And actually, Heidi was one of the people on WhatsApp who kept sending on the, and reminding me to remind listeners of the online petition for those that weren't able to get into a health shop to actually physically sign the petitions. But they reckon 60,000 signatures handed in to uh, Pascal Donoghue. And it was a decision, by the way, that was made by revenue as opposed to be made it wasn't included in the budget but the revenue commissioners they must listen to the politicians as well 1850 somebody is wondering who is our superstar of the day our superstar of the day today for our cash tracks competition is the wonderful Ed Sheeran so it means you're listening out for two Ed Sheeran tracks played back to back when we play the second Ed Sheeran song 
that's when you need to get dialing 1850-333-103 and if you are lucky caller number 50 guess what you win for yourself 500 euro we guarantee that at some stage today we will play two back-to-back Ed Sheeran songs. That's with the C103 Cash Tracks with Cavanagh's the new home of Ford in Mallow for new and used car sales. Visit Cavanagh's.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. That person who doesn't want to her, her name mentioned, which is fine, uh, got back on to me. This is to do with somebody turning up at her door saying that they were from a group in England and that she had been left something in a will and that all she needed to do was proof of address and proof of name. And obviously with all the scams that are doing the rounds at the moment, you get suspicious straight away. And I was saying, do we know the name of the company? And she's come back to me to say that the name of the company is UK and Irish Roots. Now, UK and Irish Roots are a very genuine uh, company. They're an independent research company and they have offices actually here in Ireland. They have offices in Cavan and they have offices in Cheltenham in the United Kingdom and their aim is to reunite unclaimed assets with the rightful beneficiaries. So you could be in for good news but again because there's so many scams during the rounds you never take anyone at face value. My advice to you would be to contact the company yourself not on a number given to you by somebody at the door do a, a quick Google search and they come up and all their uh, all their different um, there's actually testimonials on it as well uh, but about the team and how you can contact them and all of that my advice would be contact them yourself and uh, see where you get on from there and would you let us know please if you have been left a sizable sum of money and you are a beneficiary of somebody who's passed away and, and there could be no other next of kin left and you're entitled to all of the money and it's it you know, you assume it's somebody you didn't even know that well. There's there's a kind of a happiness and a sadness, isn't there, in those kind of stories where if somebody was to turn up at your door with a big, I don't know if it's saying it's a big chunk of money, we don't know how much it's going to be, but let us know how you get on. But absolutely, that company uh, certainly does exist and that's exactly the work that they do. Can I just put it out there to see, because I did a straw poll around the office here and everybody looked blankly at me when I said, how many people know or did you know that we have a referendum coming up in May? It's going to be on the same day as the European elections and the local elections and the straw poll around the building today uh, all looked to me blankly and said, a referendum in May? There is. The government has now set up a commission to provide the information because they obviously they always have to do that whenever we have uh, a referendum. And the referendum in May is on divorce waiting times. And obviously the commission is going to be set up to encourage people to uh, vote. And even though we'll... We're, we're talking about it now and there will be, you hopefully will hear and read a lot more about it between now and May. But it's one of those referendums that, I've, that I can tell you now on the day of the elections, we will have phone calls in from people saying, I didn't know there was a referendum. Whatever it is about some of these smaller, if you can call them, even though a change to the constitution should never be called a smaller referendum. But some of these issues seem to just fly under the radar and people don't seem to get that exercised about them. They don't seem to get that, don't get that informed about it. And there will be people who literally won't even know that it's happening. Anyway, so if you are in that group that you didn't know there was a referendum, let me be the first to tell you uh, about it. The referendum in May, we will be asked 
to if we want to hand over power to politicians for setting what's called the pause period before a couple can formally end their marriage. At the moment, anybody going for a divorce, they must live apart for four or five years. In this referendum, people are going to be asked if the minimum living apart period should simply be removed from the Constitution and that then would mean that the Oireachtas would be given the responsibility for setting the term and they would do that through legislation. And a proposed law which is going to be drawn up by the Culture Minister Josephia Madigan will allow for a two-year period and that will be set to form the basis of legislation which would be progressed by the government but only if the referendum is carried if the referendum isn't carried then the status quo will remain the same and couples will need to be living apart for four or five years the government announced last night that an order has been made to set up the Independent Strategy Referendum Commission for the purpose of the referendum. And the High Court Judge uh, Justice Tara Byrne has been appointed as the chairperson and the functions of the commission. The commission, as always for a referendum, include publishing an explanation of the referendum proposal, uh, promoting awareness of the referendum and obviously then we'll be encouraging people to vote. So that's the referendum. Just to let you know, in case you were one of the, you were you were someone who didn't know the referendum was happening, as I say, anyone that I've said it to of late looks at me blankly and just didn't seem to be aware that it was uh, happening. And be interested in your thoughts on it. Is it? Would you? Would, do you think that's a good move? That the four to five years is too long a period. That if somebody has been separated for and living apart for two years, then there really is no chance of reconciliation, and they should be allowed to go to the divorce courts. Or are you one of those people that was against the introduction of divorce um, day one? Do you remember those awful posters that did the round? Hello, divorce, goodbye, daddy which proved to be untrue, can I say. There was no evidence that there was an increase in marriage breakdown after divorce was brought brought in in this country. But is four or five years too long to ask a couple to wait? Would you be in favour of it? Or do you think no? Leave it as it is. If after four or five years they're still apart, then they should be entitled to the divorce. But two years, too short a period. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. If you want to text us, you can to 0862-103-103. And I can already see that uh, texts are coming in for Peter Dowdle. So keep those coming, please, because Peter will be answering your gardening questions a little bit uh, later on. And Anne made me smile. She was sending in a text for Peter and the auto correct and the auto spell correct it can send messages that look completely crazy but she's managed to, to correct it so we have your question and now and I fully understand what you what you want me to ask Peter and I will ask Peter that uh, a little bit uh, later on and somebody has said Patricia just to give a little bit of advice to the to the mum who contacted you yesterday about the seven month old baby that she's having huge problems getting this baby to sleep she he's he gets tired as a baby would at seven months and then just fights the sleep. And then what can happen then? They can get overtired. And if they get overtired, it's really hard to get them off to sleep. And she was looking for, for advice. Here's a piece of advice from a listener. Tell that mother to put the radio near the cot and the baby will drift off to sleep. An elderly lady gave me that piece of advice some 28 years ago. And my God, did it work. And would you believe to this day, my child, who's now 28, has to always have a radio on in his bedroom every night in order to drift off to sleep. I'm one of those people as well. I always go to sleep normally to podcasts. I have to go to sleep to speech. 
I, in music, I, I, I won't drift off to music, but if there's any kind of speech on, I'll just drift off to sleep. And so I pull a podcast on and I'll put a half an hour timer on it and I guarantee you I will be well asleep before the half an hour is up. I can be asleep in two or three minutes and I know that because when I go to listen back to get the end of the podcast, I'll know I didn't hear that bit and I can check that I've actually fallen off to sleep. So speech certainly does it uh, for me. But a radio, now I'm, I'm assuming for a baby, it's music you want or maybe some kind of musical toy that, you know, that you can leave on that will play in the background. But this lady was saying a radio and this certainly worked for her son. It is, and I, I can tell you when you get to the stage and you could sense it in the text that came in from the mother yesterday. She's just desperate because she's exhausted herself and she'll do anything to get her child off to sleep. So there's one for you if she wants to give that a try. Uh, try leaving a radio on. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. C103 Jobs. Hotel housekeeping staff are wanted. This is for the uh, Clonakilty Park Hotel. While a person is wanted to prep a simple soup quiche sandwich lunch menu and handle a busy lunch service that is in Ahakista. Plaster wanted to work in new markets. You must have your own transport and be able to work on your own initiative. While a tractor driver is wanted to work in the Mallow area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is Eating Disorder Awareness Week, which is an international annual event aimed at raising awareness of all things to do with eating disorders. Trish Shield is Clinical Manager of the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork and uh, Trish joins me. Good morning to you, Trish. Good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome to the programme. Now, have we any figures on the number of people who suffer from eating disorders in this country? Or is, or is, or is that... Is it an impossible figure to get because some of it is hidden? Absolutely right. Uh, But the figures we do have are uh, 200,000 people. Um, The Department of Health gave us those figures in 2013 suffer from eating disorders. That's a huge, huge number. But as you say, it's probably so much of it is hidden, so it's very hard to get accurate figures. Who is most at risk of developing an eating disorder? Well, um, it is usually young white females. Um, at the moment, that's what we understand. But again, that is uh, partly a huge myth. Uh, it's, it's, we're beginning to understand more and more that eating disorders, whilst they do mainly begin in the teenage and adolescent years, but they affect people of all ages, all nationalities, all ethnic uh, groupings and so on. And for, and for years we believed it was only young girls, but it's young boys as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. And and just going back to your point about uh, hidden, uh, the eating disorders being hidden, definitely with young men, they are it's more hidden, and there's a lot of shame and stigma about young men coming out to speak about them. It is happening, but the percentages of men attending here is always way lower than it would be for women. Do we know what triggers somebody to develop an eating disorder? We don't actually. We don't know exactly what causes eating disorders believe it or not, with all the signs we have available to us, but we don't. So, uh, but what we do understand is how people can get out of it. Um, but one of the biggest triggering things that we find is dieting. And that's hard for people to hear because our diet, our culture is is saturated in, in diet material. But dieting is one of the biggest triggers. Yeah. Now, the theme of the week is prevention. 
How yeah. can an eating disorder be prevented? Okay, so as I say, we don't actually know what causes an eating disorder, but we do know what uh, how people recover from them. So the things that we look for would be the minimisation of social pressures on young people. So, for instance, the thin ideal or looking a particular way, uh, really trying to shift the focus off that to achievements, to the person, to the character of the person, to um, uh, the, the, the um, attributes, really, of the person. Um, now, you can see, even saying that, that we're up against um, a juggernaut of a culture, really, that um, mitigates against that. But they are that is a very important piece. And it's great to note that there's a lot of younger people coming out now, actually... Um, advocating for body diversity to be for size acceptance for less of the shame to be attached to size and prejudice around um, bigger sizes mm. so that's one thing but yeah. there are many others uh, uh, as well uh, Patricia we we would ask as well that schools would have um, awareness programs uh, as part of their curriculum and particularly for parents actually for teachers and parents to become aware of the signs and symptoms of eating disorders, and obviously then for for the uh, the children as well. But I mean, if parents are aware, then they're caught early, and recovery is a lot faster because an eating disorder is often breeds in silence; it goes underground. But if the signs are caught and somebody's caught early, then things are stacked in their favour. Which leads us on nicely to recovery, because recovery is possible. Oh, it is totally possible. It is totally possible. Um, and again, another myth that's out there that it's always there. But really, the the eating disorder voice, because it is like a, a loud voice in, in a person's head, it's their own voice, it's not psychotic, that can be reduced to to zero in many cases, yeah, through, through proper work on recovery. OK, stay there because we have um, Gronia who is going to share her story of uh, recovery. Good morning to you, Gronia. And, and you're, well, you're welcome to the programme. Now, you're a qualified nurse. You qualified in the United Kingdom. You were working uh, here uh, in Ireland. Uh, when did you realise that you had an eating disorder? Well, Patricia, um, I was actually 37 when my eating disorder manifested. Um, I'm sure that when I was in my younger teens that there were small snippets of it along the way, but I was actually 37 um, when it really came to the fore. And as Trish said earlier, diet was the start of mine, and I had had twin boys um, and just a a comment, a flippant comment that was passed to me one day overweight and I just started to kind of take stock and started to do some dieting and exercise and um, I suppose at this point there were other things going on in my life um, due to ill health which wasn't anything to do with the eating disorder I had to finish work and um, I was I loved my job as a nurse um, I was very committed and to be suddenly kind of told that I wasn't going to be able to do it anymore was very difficult. So I lost sort of who I was, my identity, um, what I was used to doing every day. I had to now adapt my life, um, which I had two small boys at home, which was lovely, and I was able to give them the time and gradually I was able to accept that. But 
then on top of that, I had the worry of my boys went to school and I suffered some separation anxiety. And a lot of it came stemmed from just this lack of control. I wasn't at work. My boys were now in school. My identity was gone. My self-worth, I I was beginning to lose who I really was. Um, And that was really difficult. And then sort of in the mix of that, I had three bereavements within my family in the space of seven months. Goodness. So again, it, it just all affected really. And, and there were three bereavements due to cancer. And my area was, I had worked in, in, in Marymount Hospice for many years and I felt this was my area. I should have picked up on things and I had huge guilt and I had huge self-blame. And this just triggered from what had started as sort of a diet and an exercise. I now use this. It was a coping mechanism and it just got worse and worse and worse. It was the um, one, it was almost the one thing you had control over. I felt, yes, I always yeah. felt that I could control what I eat, I could control what I, how much I exercise, and this was, I could really do this well because I was losing control of things around me. Um, so it was very difficult. But as I've learned over many years of therapy, when you have an eating disorder, that's the thing that's controlling you. How low did your weight go, Gronya? Um, my weight went quite significantly low, Patricia. I, I, I personally don't like talking. OK, figures, that's fine. That's, that's okay. fine. But, but um, when you looked at, I mean, you, as a qualified nurse, when you would look at yourself in the mirror, what, yes. what, were you not seeing the effect that this diet? I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. And everybody around me, it's just because you're listening to this negative inner voice, and, and it's constant. It's like a 24-hour bully in your head. It's constantly telling you you're no good, you're useless, you're stupid, you're fat. And all of these words are what you hear on a daily basis. So you don't see. And other, it's your family. It's my husband was seeing the difference. And you become, it's, it's, I think one of the things about an eating disorder, and particularly for carers and for um, parents who have young people with eating disorders, is you, you, it's the eating disorder takes over you. It doesn't, it's not me as a person. I mm. didn't change, but the eating disorder changed me. And you become, you recluse, you withdraw from friends, you become almost to a point, um, you're, you're telling, you're, you're kind of fibbing over what you eat, how much exercise you do. You have to pre-plan all of this to get everything in. So it's so important to get that point out is that your mood changes, you become down, you become moody, you can start an argument just over something very, very simple and it's just to withdraw because you feel you're caught in this trap. So it's very important to remember that I was still the same me. Um, and again, I think with people with eating disorders... When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Disorders, their characteristics, they're usually very caring people, oversensitive, perfectionism, their qualities are very good. And 
they get lost when you bec- when you become kind of taken over by this eating disorder. Um, which so, is sad. Uh, and while a number of things, as you, uh, you've explained, triggered the eating disorder, what was yeah. the point where you said to yourself, I have a problem, I need help? Yeah, I think eventually, maybe after about a, a year of, of, of sort of going down this road and, and my family getting, my husband obviously getting very distressed. And then I thought, yeah, you know what, this is a problem now because I had young kids and I, I wanted to get better. I, I didn't want this life I, I, and I wouldn't want it for anybody else. It's just so destructive, so self-destroying and I wanted to get help. Um, and I think that was the first step. I took myself to my GP and I suppose in the background, my nursing was still there. I still was quite acute of what was going on, even though um, I hadn't seen it for a long time. But when I asked for help, it was like a relief. But it was help, I suppose, even in my um, naivety of eating disorders at the time, if I thought, oh, it would be all fine and it'll be like switching off the light, all those thoughts will go away and I'll be fine again in a week. I was to be admitted to an inpatient programme and I thought, sure, I'll be home in a week, but it's not. There's a lot of hard work. It takes a long time for recovery. You have to work hard again. It's a case of, you know, we alone can do it, but we can't do it on our own. So you have a really, you need to have a good network of support around you. So you got you went outpatient then, did you? I went inpatient. I went inpatient for um, a twelve week program. Okay. Um, and that was okay. It went. I, I I did a lot of the work. Um, I suppose sometimes I felt because I was the older bracket, a lot of the girls that I would have been in the unit with were younger, and maybe my nursing again came out, and I felt that I was kind of caring for everybody else but wasn't addressing addressing my own issues yeah um and then sadly maybe nine weeks into and i had a huge problem because i was in dublin and my family my husband had to bring my two kids up to me every week to see me and it was really difficult because again i had huge guilt because of what i was doing to my family um so i found it really really difficult to kind of put everything into the inpatient program because of the things that were going on outside and i still wanted to be a mom and my kids had just started school and i wanted to be with them so it was really difficult um for me and then maybe nine weeks into my program we had a very tragic suicide in our family so again it just stemmed and i I felt i had to come home at this point i needed to be with my family so I had a lot of um, setbacks following that for the next sort of six and seven months, really. And then you continued through outpatient. Yeah, I continued. Here in Cork? In Cork. And that was the makings of me, really, because I was still able to continue my life as a mum and as a wife and um, attend my appointments. And I felt I was more together and I was able to concentrate. And I had great therapy and... Um, you have to work really hard at the therapy. Um, and But yeah, it, it brings you to a good place. And Gronje, was it difficult for you to admit that you had an eating disorder to, to yes. family and friends? Yeah. It was. Um, I think because there are lots of myths still about eating mm. disorders, there's a lot of shame about it. Um, there's like, it's a very isolating, so you do ret- retract from meeting people because, you know, when you meet friends, it's in social circumstances. I withdrew from all of that. So there is, and I think that's why it's so important now to raise awareness 
um, to break the silence and to encourage people to talk, and especially young people. Um, we had a wonderful launch um, in a secondary school in St. Coleman's Community College in Middleton yesterday, and the transition year students did some wonderful work, artwork, and it was inspiring to see their take on it and that they are, they are, there is a certain amount of awareness and we can improve that awareness um, and get people talking and talking openly um, with one another. Young people, there's so much pressure through social media and this thing about being thin and so many diets and that we can encourage the young people to talk to one another, to talk openly, to come when they have difficulties and not feel ashamed. Okay, well done. Well done, Sarah. I mean, your message is help is available. It might be a difficult role to recovery, but you can get there. You can get there and life is great when you do get there. And and it's great to have this 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 anorexia, this this voice gone, and that you can see things clearly. And there's a life. There is a life outside of it. And your boy, um, your boys are doing well, and your husband's doing well. My boys are doing very well, and yeah, my boys are doing very well. As a mum, you do worry. They, you know, they're 16 now, and they're in that phase of being sort of consumed by social media. So you're always on the alert. But um, yeah, it's just awareness, education, and 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 working towards preventing, and that's and hope, and I think self belief, just believing in yourself, being yourself. There's a lovely quote: "Be yourself, because everybody else is taken." Um, and I think that's something that we all have to be aware of. We all are unique. We all have wonderful qualities, and you know, you can bring yourself out in those qualities rather than well in how we look all the time. Well yeah. done, well done. Let me bring back in um, Trish. Trisha, thank you, uh, Gronya, for that. And um, uh, Trish, Gronya's got on to be a, a volunteer with the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork. She has indeed. And isn't it, isn't it wonderful to listen to the story? Great story. I mean, yeah. really, it is wonderful. And it's life-giving. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very conscious of families <laughs> listening um, parents listening yeah. who maybe a son or a daughter is going through it and they're, yeah. they're trying to support them and to hear Gronya's story to know there is light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Oh, there is life. And yes, and Gronya volunteers with us to actually help on some of the parents' education programmes that we run here because hope is a really important value to, to hold for eating disorders and we hold hope all the time because recovery is possible. It, it, families don't ever cause an eating disorder, but they certainly can be very much a part of the healing process of it. Okay, so where so. do you direct someone someone for help? I mean, Gwani, I think was very lucky in that it, it was a good doctor yeah. that she well, went to. You, we did your GP? We would certainly say go to the GP yeah. first. Uh, we really would. But then just make contact here. Um, definitely make contact with ourselves. If you want information, the national charity, it's a charity they don't offer therapeutic service would be Bodywise, which is the national organisation, and they will give you leaflets and booklets and so on about eating disorders. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. But the thing I would say, Patricia, more than anything, if anyone is listening and they think they may have an eating disorder, their mind might be telling them they don't need help, but they really do. And we would encourage any care if you have any suspicions at all, really look for help reach for help because these eating disorders need to be caught as early as possible 
Okay, and your website is Eating Disorder Centre at Cork. Okay, we leave it there, uh, ladies. Thank you for that, and thank you both for joining us on the program Thanks this morning. Indeed, Good morning thank to you. you. Bye Good bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Tricia Shield, who is clinical manager of the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork in Gwanya, sharing her story of battling of life with anorexia and then getting out the other side. Uh, well done to her. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And the mum with the seven-month-old baby that is the bad sleeper has heard our suggestion to put the radio beside the bed. She's been back on to say, Patricia, can you ever thank that listener who said the suggestion of putting the radio beside the baby's cot to help him sleep? I can't wait to try this later on as I'm at my wit's end. Oh, I can feel and sense your pain. Let us know how you get on with that. And by the way, on Aircom and uh, Gerard in Castletown Roach with his pair the elderly parents and the phone being switched off. We were on to Air yesterday who got back to us and said that a representative from Air was going to contact Gerard yesterday afternoon and hopefully everything would get sorted out and we would get that elderly couple back up and running with their phone on and the bigger problem is that their alarm pendants to alert if anything goes wrong they're hooked linked up to their phones so they obviously weren't working we've made contact with Gerard this morning to say hey how did you get on with Gerard how did you get on with Aircom with Air not Aircom Air and are your parents has your, the phone been reconnected to be told they heard nothing from Air yes, yesterday so we're back on to them again uh, to see if we can get that sorted out uh, today so we're on the case 1850 now on Facebook this week I came across a lovely Cork based charity which is called Blankets of Hope which make and distribute blankets free of charge to all the local oncology wards. To tell us more about Blankets of Hope I'm joined by the General Manager of the Cork Cancer Care Centre Linda Goggin-James. Good morning to you Linda. Good morning Patricia. I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Where did the idea for Blankets of Hope come from? The idea started by Anne Dowley-Splan who was the founder of the, which was originally called the Girls Club, back in 2014. She was actually in Boston visiting relatives when a lady that was in the group that they were with was knitting a blanket. And she just happened to say to her, who are you knitting the blanket for? And she said, oh, I knit them for an old folks home, which is down the street, for people who don't have family, just to let them know somebody's thinking about them. Oh. So when Anne came home, she thought, this is fantastic. Because when you go through chemo, you're cold. It's just a side effect. You're cold all the time, to be honest. And I thought, what a lovely idea if we made a blanket for someone so that they could wrap themselves in it after treatment. But also with the blanket came an information leaflet about the centre, the support centre that we have here. So it started in 2014 and up to June of last year, um, we've handed out over 15,000 blankets oh my goodness. in that length of time. That's so incredible. It's fantastic. It's normally given to someone on the first day of chemo in the oncology wards in Cork. But we've kind of reached everywhere because people have found it through our Facebook, our website. And we've sent them all across Europe. We've sent them to the States, to Canada. People who found the site and said, what a beautiful idea. So it's, it is a lovely idea. And, and, you know, unless you've gone through chemo, I didn't realise that, that people feel the cold more. Yeah, there, it's just where ladies speaking to us and gentlemen speaking to us, they say that they're, they're quite cold. Um, and I suppose because you're sitting also in a room that normally blue or grey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah. sitting there and they automatically make you feel cold, the colours. 
That's true. And so, and there's something about wrapping yourself up in a yeah, handmade crocheted or knitted blanket, isn't there? I don't know what it is. It, gives, it, it just seems to give extra warmth to you. It is, definitely. And it's almost like when you're a child, you're blanky. You become very attached to something like that. Um, and and I saw on your Facebook, and I encourage anybody to go to the Facebook page to see. There's some stunning blankets. Are, the yeah. colours are just they, they would make you smile as soon as you'd look at them. They're, the work that goes into it is because we have knitting groups here three times a week, and the hours and hours the women put into it. It's just unbelievable that the love and care that they put into making the blanket. And who are these women that knit for you? They are. A lot of the women would have been people who went through cancer themselves okay. and they would have received a blanket. Because a lot of them come back and say, OK, I got a blanket, show me how to make one. Oh. Um, so, And then we have a lot of ICA ladies, our knitting groups around um, Cork. And believe it or not, we have quite a few in Kerry and in Care who make blankets for us and bring it down. Because people come to Cork to get their treatment. So people from that area would get blankets from us as well. And you get donations of wool? That's what we started asking for because, um, as you know, we're we're a centre that's not government funded. We're not HSC funded. So we were buying wool because we felt it was a bit unfair for ladies to spend hours and hours making blankets and not having, and then also having to buy the wool. So we asked people would they donate wool to us so that we could continue what we were doing. So we give it to all the oncology wards, male and female, and also to the children's wards. We've quite a few ladies who make beautiful children's blankets and toys matching it with a little blanket matching their blanket. So people started donating wool to us. And this started only about three weeks ago and it's taken off so well. Isn't that great? But anybody listening that's, you know, good at the with the old knitting needles or the crochet hook... You'd welcome people making blankets oh, at all. We'd be delighted. Yeah. We'd be delighted because on average we hand every fortnight now to every three weeks we hand out between 90 to 120 blankets between the hospitals. You know, and then we get a lot of people calling to the centre and they're saying somebody that they know who's not doing very well and could they have a blanket for them? You know, so it's we hand out quite a bit of blankets in a month. Wow. Just tell you the amount of new people getting diagnosed with cancer as well. I know, I know. And you don't question anybody on the journey. If they need a blanket, there's a blanket there for them. You're you're fantastic. Tell me about the Cork Cancer Care Centre and how you're getting on. Are you busy? We're very busy. We're very busy. One side is very sad, but another side is people know that there's a support centre here from... uh, We changed our name back in July 2017 because we started seeing um, men and also quite a lot of younger people as well. Yeah. So we changed it so people knew exactly what we were doing or what we were about. Uh, and just a, remind, remind, us of this, remind us of the services that you offer. The services we offer are all holistic treatments um, and also counselling and psychotherapy. So we're very much into the mental health side of going through cancer, supporting the family and the person going through cancer themselves. So all these services are free to them. We also have our week bank. So we have two ladies here who did the journey with cancer and will actually help people. They shave the head and get them ready for a week and we have weeks supplied from certain companies send them to us. We're very, very good. So everything is free of charge once they come through the door. Because that's, uh, I know, for, for, 
for and there's the phones ringing showing how busy you are. Sorry. That, no, you're okay. That's the, you know, for us women, the losing of the hair is probably one of the biggest, yeah. Because we grew up with saying it's your crowning glory. Yeah. So it's very hard to get around that. But um, once the support is there, we have a lot of groups, we have a lot of young people at the moment between 22 and 35. So we have called a Buddy Up programme. So we have a meeting maybe once a month and we have after after hours we sit down, we have a pizza and a chat and get to know each other. And even though everyone's cancer is different, the journey is nearly the same. So they, they help each other through it as well. And that's a big, big thing so that you're able to talk to someone who's doing the journey and they understand what you're going through as well. And constantly fundraising, because as you say, yes. you have to raise all the money. You've got a, a bake, a book and bake sale. We have a this? book and bake sale this Saturday. Yeah. So very kindly, Tesco's and Douglas donated fantastic amount of books, yes. brand new books. Yeah. And then we have amazing bakers in here. <laughs> so we're asking people if they'd like to come in and buy a cake or sit and have a cup of tea and have a slice of cake and see what the centre is about. We're nine room premises and we love to show people around to show them what we do. So we'd be delighted for the support. It's on from 11 until 2 o'clock on Saturday. Okay, and all that fundraising is just also important. It's actually the upkeep of the centre. Yeah, it's to to keep the front doors open. Mary in Clonakilty wants to know, does Linda's group provide blankets to the oncology patients in the bonds? Yes. Yeah. You yeah, do. All, you of, do. all of the oncology all units, the isn't oncology. it? And Marion in Mallow says, I was in CUH for treatment four years ago. I got one of those blankets. I found them comforting and to this day I still have mine. Isn't that oh, lovely? That's lovely. That's lovely. That's well lovely. done. Well done, Marion. And Marion, four years ago would have been one of the first to have gotten one of the, one of the blankets. Yeah, it's yeah. it's gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous concept. And, uh, it's, and I love the idea that for some of the patients, they were cancer patients themselves giving back because, you know, they they know what they got they got from us and then for others who are blessed not to have cancer to be able to give something like that it's it's incredible so continue good luck with it good luck with your work in the Cork Cancer Care Centre because you're doing mighty work Linda and thanks so much for taking time out to Thank join you us for taking your time to listen good Thank morning you again, to you bye 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 God bless that is Linda Goggin James who is the general manager of the Cork Cancer Care Centre eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three get your gardening questions in because Peter Dowdell will join us in the next hour I can see a lot of calls and comments coming in as well we'll take a look at those. Also uh, in the next hour we have a lady coming on who's looking to trace family members of a family that were originally from the Mallow area and somebody has died in England living in a state with no will and no next to kid. So they're looking for relatives exactly what we were talking about a little bit earlier on. That's all coming up in the next hour. But here's James Bay. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of people reacting to the blankets of hope, this idea of knitting a blanket for cancer uh, patients, including one listener who said, I am a cancer patient and using those beautiful blankets. And they also do knitted scarves or, or cowls for around your neck. Very important too, as they keep the neck warm when the hair is gone. So there's a cancer patient. Good luck on your journey. And uh, very, very appreciative of whoever knitted her blanket uh, for her. And then some people are saying, Patricia, have you contact number for the lady knitting the blanket? 
blankets would be interested in doing it and somebody else by WhatsApp Yvonne uh, says is there a pattern that you could forward to me I certainly would like to knit some of those blankets so I asked John Paul to get back on to Linda to see are we okay to hand out a number on air and we are the phone number for Blankets of Hope if anybody would like more details about it or you'd like to offer your services it's an 021 number so 021 49490900021 and we also asked Linda is there a pattern is there a set pattern that you ask you'll ask people to knit or crochet your blankets too and she said no you can do any pattern blankets that you like all they ask is size wise for the children uh, uh, three foot by three foot for the women four foot by four foot slightly bigger than for the men five foot by five foot so any blanket in those sizes uh, feel free to do if you would like to knit one of those blankets and donate it to the Blankets of Hope and we're going to put all those details up on our webpage on c103.ie as well so thank you to a lot of very kind nice people out there who are good at knitting they're good at crocheting and they will be willing to, to do to, to knit or to crochet and donate them to Blankets of Hope I just think it's a tremendous tremendous uh, charity and long may it uh, continue OK a couple of your comments and calls coming in to us on sleeping and babies not sleeping and we had the suggestion to turn the radio on and, and there's a couple of other people saying that is a really good idea I did the same thing with my child and it certainly works good luck to the young mother and she is going to try it <laughs> she promises she'll get back and, and uh, let us know how she gets on Sheila says my daughter had a similar issue with her child in that fighting tiredness they're exhausted but they just won't go to sleep in the end one day she placed him near the tumble dryer and as long as the tumble dryer was on he went fast asleep <laughs> so if you the mum wants to give that a try like in a little bouncer and have by the tumble dryer the the movement and the noise of the tumble dryer got Sheila's grandchild off to sleep Marie in from says my son sleeps soundly wait for this whenever the hoover is on one day I started to hoover my living room and he was in the room off the living room and at the time wasn't really sleeping and hadn't really had a good night's sleep for a number of days when I finished the hoovering turned around he was fast asleep now all I have to do to get him off to sleep is turn the hoover on for a few minutes and he just nods off (laughs) Again, it's all to do with noise, isn't it? It seems to be they don't seem to like some children don't seem to like that utter silence. And if you some kind of noise in the background. So a tumble dryer and a hoover, another suggestion to add to the radio at one. Siobhan and Coachford was on this. Oh, we're back to air. This is a problem with air. Does did this happen to anybody else? Siobhan and Coachford got a text from air saying her bill was now due but that it it didn't give her account number or a link or anything for her to pay the bill. So she she had a bill, she got a bill, paper bill, a number of months ago and only for keeping it, she wouldn't have known the account number. She then rang an automated number, typed in her account number and then they were able to tell her how much her bill was. She doesn't use email. They're obviously emailing out the bill. They're not sending a paper bill anymore. So they're emailing the bill. She doesn't have an email address so she's not getting any bill from air and she's wondering how many others are getting a similar text and people who don't now have access to their bill because they're not sending out the physical paper bill and could end up being cut off because their bill 
they don't realise their bill is, is overdue or that, that it's in. And she said only for her hanging on to one bill and having the account number, she wouldn't have known the account number and that would have meant her contacting AIR and we know how difficult it is to get through to AIR. She could have been on the phone for an hour waiting to just get her account uh, number. So she's rather frustrated with that. Have they stopped completely sending out paper bills or do they give you the option? Normally, a lot of the companies will give you the option that you can, you know, tick a box, but you have to contact them to tell them if you want to stay with a paper bill. I'm with AIR and I, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've seen a bill for ages either. So, yeah, maybe maybe they just stopped sending out paper bills and it's all done online. Maybe that's that's the way they're doing it now. Noreen Bantry said last week, this is on nurses, last week she said she was watching a programme on TV where they were talking about 2017 and 2018 and the astronomical sum of money that the HSE are paying on uh, agency nurses. A year or two ago, uh, retired nurses were allowed to go back and work 19 hours per week. You pay tax in your pension, but you can work the 19 hours. So the government are gaining there because you're, you know, you're, you're paying your tax as well. And they also gain because you don't they don't pay the agency nurses rate. You get paid lower than what an agency nurse uh, would do. So Noreen is wondering why don't they contact psych- the retired psychiatric nurses? It would save money to the health board. Noreen herself is a retired psychiatric nurse. She said she'd love to go back and work 19 hours per week. She said, but they only seem to be interested in paying for agency uh, nurses. I wonder, yeah, um, is there a reason why the retired nurse, retired psychiatric nurse can't go back? Is it to do with the nature of the job, I wonder? Or does everybody, is it just, it would be interesting, in, I would be interested to see maybe if you contacted a psychiatric nurses union or get on to a local hospital to see is there a reason why they won't allow a retired psychiatric nurse go back. I'd be interested to hear the answer uh, to that one. Okay, what else is coming in to us on the phones and by text? Keep the gardening questions coming in, please, for Peter, because there's a number of them uh, coming in and uh, we're going to get back. Peter will be answering all of your gardening questions and just on air. Emily is busy again, (laughs) says somebody. I had a call from Emily at nine o'clock this morning. God, she was up bright and early. That's the scam at one. Just another one on air that kind of tickled my fancy today and got me thinking, when did I last use a payphone, public payphone? And you know, I can't even remember when I last used a public payphone and it seems a row has now broken out over the need to maintain public telephones amid claims that their use is minuscule and that really we should just get rid of them. Now AIR, which is the country's largest telecoms operator, they've accused Comreg, or the regulator, of making a flawed argument for why we have public telephones. AIR are claiming that the use of payphones was, and this is coming from AIR, in terminal decline and that they were increasingly irrelevant to society. The company actually pointed out that the most users of the free phone helpline for homeless people in Dublin actually call for mobiles. They don't go into a public telephone. But under the terms of a universal service obligation, AIR is required to provide payphones. Now, the public the actual requirement ended in October of last year, but Comreg wants to extend that until October of 2020. And this is where the dispute is, is arising. Air are saying our requirement to provide f- 
phone box actually ended last October so they really can get out of it if they want to. Error saying that Comwick have not provided any expert advice to justify the decision to keep the phone boxes in place. It also claimed that the regulator had made no effort at all to uh, quantify the effect that the removal of the payphones would have on the market. Air is only allowed to remove a payphone if they haven't been used for less than a minute a day for the previous six months. It can also obviously remove them if there's evidence of antisocial behaviour going on or if a local authority for whatever reason say, Air, would you remove that phone box? They have to do it then. But at the end of June of last year, there was 480 payphones across 281 locations in the Republic and that's compared to 815 a year earlier. So they almost halved in a a year. Air now want Comreg to exclude any requirement for it to provide public phones that accept coin payments because they said any of the ones where you put the money, the hole into the slot, the holding of coins is just an incentive for uh, vandalism. Comreg have argued that there is a case for keeping the requirement of providing pay phones in the medium term. The regulators say that two thirds of all free phone calls from public pay phones were to helplines. People still use pay phones because they have no call credit or there's poor mobile signal. Um, and they also, they're also used by people with no landline and no mobile phones, which I don't know how many people have no, mo- no mobile phones or no landline at this stage. I think every household has some kind of communication. There was a time when that wasn't at the case. And of course, the big thing for AIR is the cost of providing the pay phones in 2015, that's the last year that we have figures available, was €320,000 Euro to AIR. They have the they have the contract for it and they have the public service obligation they must provide it so it costs them 320000 Now Combrick claim that figure is wrong they say it's about 122000 so somewhere in the middle is the truth as to how much they're actually uh, costing but it did get me thinking I, as I say I don't know when I last used a, a pay phone and that's not justification for getting rid of it I do think the theory that if it hasn't been used for, for less than a minute a day for the last six months I think AIR are justified uh, in removing them uh, completely but do we are, are Combrick Right, that we do need to have a certain number of them available for people for whatever reason. And I know that you know you can run out, you can have a mobile without a call credit, or have poor mobile phones uh, signal, or be somewhere where you don't have your mobile with you. Even though that got me thinking, if I was somewhere where I don't have my mobile with me, how many numbers do I know off the top of my head? I know my husband's number off the top of my head and my son's, and I think that's it. I think I draw the line under the. There was a time when I would have known lots and lots of telephone numbers but now I don't know them anymore. Isn't it crazy because we use, we constantly go to our phone and just press the person's name and ring the number so we don't know phone numbers so if you are caught without your phone with you you could be caught and that you can't call anyone because you don't know their numbers. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed on that. When did you last use a payphone? Do you even know where your nearest payphone uh, is? 1850 Are you on the side of air? Get rid of them. They're too costly. We don't need them. Or are you on the side of Combreg who say, no, there is a requirement for keeping those. What about people who need access to them to ring free phone numbers and they will be helplines. And I straight away, when I think of a helpline, I think of women's aid. 
and the number of women who would have to contact Women's Aid wouldn't be able to do it from their phone, their own mobile phone or their landline because of a controlling partner who's monitoring the bills and monitoring all the calls coming in and monitoring the the person's mobile phone so she wouldn't be able to ring from that phone. They would tell you, Women's Aid would tell you that those people need to have access to a pay phone so that they can make that call to get the help that they need. Our number is 1850 333 103. And uh, John Paul taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. A free one to one breast cancer support day is being held, uh, uh, will be held tomorrow, Thursday, at the Cork Arc Cancer Support House in uh, Bantry. If you'd like to book a place, 027. 53891 Mallow Rotary Club are holding a table quiz that's in Albert Lynch's tomorrow night tables the four 40 euro with all proceeds going to the eradication of uh, polio a pioneer social will be held in Gaggen Hall on Friday night dancing to Lee Sound from half past nine teas will be served and all are welcome and a fundraising comedy night will be held in the Schoolyard Theatre in Charleville this Friday night and it's an aid of Zoe Shannon Crowley, who is a student from Skulmwira in Bottevant, who is travelling to India in April to work with the Hope Foundation. And Women's World Day of Prayer, it's an international and interdenominational movement, will be celebrated on Friday, this Friday, the 1st of March, in St Mary's Church of Ireland, that's opposite the park entrance in Donneret at 8.15. This year's service has been put together by women from Slovenia and the theme uh, of the Great Banquet on the theme of the Great Banquet and all are welcome. Thank you to Ronnie in Mallow wants to send heartiest congratulations to Dano and all of his family in Supervalue in Mallow. We mentioned this yesterday. They've won the Supervalue Store of the Year. Ronnie in Mallow said it is a wonderful shop with great staff and uh, she loves the shopping centre and shopping there. So take a bow, everyone at Dano's in uh, Mallow. On the air and the posting out of bills, actually a couple of people have been on about this, including... First one in was a, a text in from Sheila to say, Hi Patricia, I get my paper bill from AIR. So they still are issuing paper bills. And Eddie and Mallow said, I got my phone bill this morning from AIR in the post. So they are still sending out the paper ones. I get mine every month. Marion Kinsale says, I've had two scam calls today from Emily claiming to be from AIR. And then another one from a guy claiming to be from Visa. So three so far today, oh God, you poor thing. And John in Bantier says there was a pay phone in Bantier on the street. However, it had to be taken down due to vandalism. It was very handy as instead of running a landline, you could use that phone. Mobile reception is pretty OK. But I know that the phone had been used at night in one particular case to ring an ambulance uh, when somebody became unwell. But it had to be re- removed as people were simply smashing the glass in the box and once it was replaced, it will be smashed again. So um, air removed it. And that's one of the reasons they are allowed to remove it if there's evidence of antisocial behaviour. So that was one of the phones that got removed because, as we heard, um, the 
last year there was 480 pay funds across 281 locations but that was down from 815 the previous year so one of them possibly was the one that was removed in Bantir. 1850 Now we've been contacted by Kira Houlihan who is a family history researcher and she's a mystery she's trying to solve and hopefully at the end of solving the mystery she'll have a little bit of good news uh, for somebody. Good afternoon to you Kira. Hi Patricia. Uh, a coincidence, I was only talking about this this morning and lo and behold then you, you email. You're looking for a family that at one stage lived in Connolly Avenue in Mallow. That's right, that would have been in the 1950s. Okay. Who are they? Uh, the mother was an Ellen Kirby who married Morris Higgins. They had four children um, and the actual child I suppose in question was a daughter Bridget who was born in 1916. She moved then Stoke-on-Trent, where she got married. And that woman then died in 2013, leaving no will. So we're looking for her heirs because they stand to inherit her estate, basically. Because Bridget had no children, did she not? No children, no, married, but had no children. No children, okay. Um, So Bridget had... There were siblings. Three brothers. Three brothers. brothers. Uh, There was a Morris, Patrick, and a John. Morris, the son because um, the father was Morris as well, actually lived and died in Stoke and Trent as well. So um, the other two brothers then, John and Patrick, I have no account of. So, so it's, track down. is it possible they could still be alive? Do we know, would we know an age on them? Um, John was born in 1918 and Patrick was born in 1921. So it's possible. Well, they could Not be. But, yeah. but if they've remained in the Mallow area, That's it's it. their children. Their heirs, yeah. Absolutely, it would be their children. Um, I mean, the reason I'm involved is because a company in the UK, Air Hunters, emailed me because I have a very tenuous connection to it. But Ellen Kirby's mother was Ellen Dunnigan, who would be related to Dunnigan's in my family. And I had my family tree on Ancestry.com. So they saw this and then came to me looking for information. Okay, but you're not related. I'm not in any way. No, God, no. It's like great grandmother swapping cats between me (laughs) and the Higgins family, to be perfectly honest. So, I mean, I've nothing to gain from this except that if we could find the descendants and they can go directly to the British Treasury to claim the money, then you cut out the likes of air hunters who would take, take a commission. 5% of the fee. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. it's it's Patrick Higgins and John Higgins. Patrick Higgins and John Higgins, but if anybody had any kind of a memory of them at all, any little piece of information that might lead somewhere, you never know, we could follow it through. They could all have gone to England, though. Absolutely. Here, they that is possible. Followed. Absolutely. I know Ellen, the mother, died in 1959 and the father died in 1955. They're both buried out in um, St. Governor's. 59 and 55. And then, yeah, and then I do, is there, do we know the number of the house in Conley Avenue? Because Conley Avenue is still there in Mallow. 13, absolutely. 13. 13. Do we know who's living in 13 Conley Avenue? Um, I don't at the no. moment. I had okay. it on the Mallow in the past Facebook page and there was a number of people said they remembered people living in um, 13 Conley Avenue but not this specific family. Now I have other feelers out. I'm waiting for a few emails back. Hopefully someone somewhere can help and we can get this money. If there are two uh, legally entitled heirs then get it to them, you know. And we don't know how much Bridget, bless her heart, left behind you anything, no? No, it could no. be £30. It could be anything. Absolutely anything. But uh, as I say, the air hunters in the UK, they have a TV show about it, but they'll take a commission for helping you to prove your claim when really all you need to do is get in contact with the Treasury yourself, 
provide your documentation, whatever birth certificates, death certificates, marriage certificates, that sort of thing, that proves that you're the legally entitled heir. But you see, this kicked off for us this morning before we even got your email when one of my first texts in this morning was from a listener, a WhatsApp, I don't know if I can find it now or not, who contacted us because somebody turned up at her door. I, I, I heard the end of that. I had just yeah, turned on claiming the show and to I be just sent the email, yeah. It was from a company called UK and Irish Roots. Now I've checked them, they do exist. They are right. they're like they're like the air hunters that you're talking about. Would that be unusual that somebody would call to the door saying we believe we've I have I have seen this on the Air Hunters programme in the UK. They're working off commission, so they're cold callers. They want to get to you before anybody else does. So they'll knock on your door to make the first contact to get you to sign up with them before the other companies do. All right. But That's it is, but they, they calling to this person's door saying that they need proof of address and proof of name, would that it need would you, be, would that need would you be to believe money, uh, that they're an ancestor? They, they, there's money there. Oh, well, it would be because they've tracked you the whole way down. They, they, well, they've followed this family tree and they've tracked you down as a possible heir. So that would be standard practice for them to call to the door. Now, I, I would advise people, don't sign anything. As you said earlier, get a phone number for them, check that they're legitimate, yeah. go through it. If you want to do that, the alternative is you can check. There's a UK website, if you look up their government website, uh, you're looking for a bona vacantia. Basically, it's Latin, it means ownerless goods. And that's the site that they put unclaimed estates on it. So if you recognise the names there and say, God, yeah, that was my great auntie Bridgie who went to wherever <laughs> she went, yeah. you can then directly contact the UK government and cut out all those people who were looking for a commission. But in fairness, the, 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 the guys and gals looking for the commission, they put the work in. They have to get paid somewhere they along do. the line. No, they, ac- yeah. they absolutely do. They absolutely do. But I suppose what really set me off is that these air hunters saw this family tree of mine that I did a lot of work on and said this one probably knows something I'm going to get on to her and yeah, I asked them yeah. straight out I said is there any form of remuneration for me for providing this information and she said no uh, the money is held with the, the Treasury in the UK so we're not in a, p- a position to offer any monetary remuneration I said that's fine I'll do it myself and I'll find these people. Yeah, so because, yeah, because, yeah but, but yes, if they track them down, they'd be looking for their, their, their cut and their commission out, out of it, it as would. well. It's just 25% is an awful lot, really. Mm, it is. Of what could be a thousand pounds, it could be, you know... No, know. it could be a big, could be a big estate it as well, you don't know. Um, you know we know Bridget might have been very clever with her money. We know she was in a nursing home in Stoke and Trent and so was the brother Morris before she died. Like Bridget married, I don't know what the name might ring a bell for somebody, Samuel Gamble. Somebody out there might and did Samuel Bridget Gamble. end up in the same nursing home as her brother? Yes. Oh. And he died in 2003 and then she died 10 years later. So from what I can see, neither of them had any children so there's no heirs in that line. So it would be to Patrick or John at this stage because kind of the line of inheritance would go your husband, wife, civil partner, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, then mother, father, you're looking at then brothers and sisters, grandparents, aunts. You only come down to the likes of first cousins if all other avenues have been gone, and they're gone. Okay, and we have all of your details if we can. If anybody is ringing a bell with anybody, the Higgins family, 13 Connolly Avenue in Mallow, in particular, Patrick and John Higgins, born in 1918 and in 1921. If that rings a bell with anybody, uh, get get on to us, please. How did you get involved in genealogy, Kira? 
Um, I suppose I had two older first cousins on my father's side and they had done a lot of um, the family tree because we had um, Horgan from Kilcorny, went to Australia and America and they'd always kept in contact. So I was just curious to see what was going on. I mean, it's an enormous family tree at this stage. I had people come from America two or three times that we tracked down. It's it's absolutely fascinating and it's wonderful and it's all-consuming. Yeah, once you get involved in it at all, it just takes over, doesn't it? It does. And yeah. I mean, I've done a bit, my sister works for um, a company in Cork that bring in Americans on holidays. So I've done a bit for some Americans coming in and there was one woman came and she was able to visit the grave of her great, great, great grandfather up in County Leitrim. And that was just absolutely amazing for her. She'd, she didn't know anything about it. So it was a real thrill to be able to find her roots in Ireland. So just yeah. helping people out. That's what we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that programme, you know, Who Do You Think You Are? Is it Who Do You Think You Are? I love that programme. Who program. Do You Think You Are? Absolutely yeah, it's fantastic. It. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, thanks a million for making contact with us, Kira. Fingers crossed thank you. that we can find the Higgins. And in the meantime, have a good day. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Kira Houlihan there from Houlihan Genealogy. If that rings a bell with anybody, if anybody can give us further information about the Higgins family, originally uh, natives of Conley Avenue in Mallow. Get on to us. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Mary says, Patricia, Air are still sending out bills. I got mine this morning. Uh, yeah, some people seem to be getting them and others are not. I don't know. There could have been, was there a letter sent out saying to people, if you don't contact us, we'll, we'll put your bill online. That that often happens and it's in the small print. Christopher on our Facebook page, not happy with Air, particularly for their customer service. We're back to this, the customer service uh, again. Um, I left Air, went to uh, another provider, their service much better on the subject of pay funds though says Christopher on our Facebook page it is a good idea to keep them around especially in busy areas in case of uh, emergency but I suppose the argument that's put, been put forward if you're in a bu- busy area someone will have a mobile phone that is working I suppose that's the argument that's been uh, used and Catherine Mitchestown says yeah uh, Emily from Air this the scam caller is particularly busy today Emily's had or Catherine's had two calls from Emily this morning now that seems to be a reoccurring theme today that when Emily is calling it isn't just one call people are getting they're getting a second and a third call which is very frustrating. That's causing people to hang up the phone instead. And Liam in Ballino in East Cork has been trying to get onto air since last November. He's uh, contacted them uh, and eventually he wants to get rid of his landline. That's what's wrong with him. And he says he's been onto them and onto them and onto them and not having any luck at all. He tried emailing him. That did work. He eventually wrote, physically wrote a letter to them. And he said last Monday he did manage to get through. Oh, so he wrote a letter and nothing happened uh, when he posted the letter to them. Last Monday he rang again. He waited 20 minutes. Eventually a lady came on and <laughs> said, what do you want? And uh, uh, he explained, I want my phone disconnected. I'm not using it anymore. Can you get rid of it, please? He then straight away got transferred to another department. After 20 minutes, he just leaves us, forget it. And he hung up. He said, they just don't seem to want to talk to their customers. Well, what's quite telling, I, I'm from your call, Liam, they don't seem to want to talk to customers. If you want to disconnect, that's what I would take from your particular call but the frustration to get through to somebody and to actually be talking to somebody and then you get through to them and then they transfer you somewhere else and then the next person you, you get nowhere with that's really annoying uh, Gerard in, oh Gerard in Castletown Roach who we spoke with the other day who was having the problem with his parents phone uh, I'm told is is on the line uh, good afternoon to you Gerard. hello 
Uh, can you hear me, Jerry? Good afternoon. Yeah. Um, Good okay. Afternoon. We spoke with you the other day. Your parents were in their 90s, phone disconnected by air. We got onto air. They said they'd contact you yesterday. They didn't. What's happened now? Yeah, they got onto my sister to just in, in, the, re, in the recent half hour. And um, as she was a contact on the contract from the start, and they've um, apologised for leaving my parents without a phone line. They have disconnected the two items, the, two, the mobile broadband and the mobile phone that were causing the problem from the start. And they've deducted the 200 euros off of the bill that was... Outstanding, was there, you know? yeah. So, so um, it's, all, it's all good. So happy days. Happy days. Happy so the phone Okay, so the phone is back up and running. Yeah. And there isn't an outstanding bill. No, and there isn't the outstanding amount because they were up to date on their proper contract and the excess which wasn't working was being added on and that has been deducted now. Okay. And I know we So they're back to we did get back onto we did get back onto air again uh, this morning uh, when they did make contact yesterday afternoon. It's it's shocking though the lens Jared, that you had to go to to get this sorted out, isn't it? It's it's very frustrating. Like as regards the customer care services, it's anything but. But as I say, it's just obviously they're inundated with calls and their system isn't set up properly, and they're unable to give a satisfactory response to anybody who's ringing with a problem. It's it's something they'll have to do work on and get corrected because I'm sure there must be an amount of people in a similar situation or something similar. Yeah. And yesterday we got an explanation as to why there was delays with calls being answered and it's to do with this, they've taken it in-house, they've taken it back from India, the call centre, yeah. and they're training people and it's just taking a while to train. So maybe we just need to have patience with AIR while they continue to train the people at the end of the phone line and, and get it sorted out. But it's just, it's this being left on the phone hanging on and hanging on and hanging on and then other people telling us they finally got through to somebody and then they got they get disconnected it's just yeah okay but it's you crazy. yeah and but for your parents the big one was we you know that we we were in a situation where we had a couple in their 90s left without a phone that couldn't go on absolutely it was a, a ridiculously dangerous situation for them you know it could have resulted in in their deaths realistically so um, it's it's fantastic that it's, it's in, back in situation, and I, I'm sure they should um, put something into their policies when there's an elderly people like that on a phone line. That it's a matter of urgency that they stay connected, and the matter should be resolved. You know, it's it's something. Well, it's the minimum they should have. That should be priority. I mean, cases like that should be. Or somebody that's in a caring situation where you're looking after, you know, a, a sick and non well person. That just got, should be a priority. Yeah. OK. All right. Well, good news and, and, and happy to know there's a good ending to that story, Jared. And uh, thank you uh, for contacting us and, and joining us on the programme. Thank you very much. Thank no. you very much for your help and you were more than expedient with it. No problem. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, bye bye, Jared. It's Jared in, in Castle Roach. And I know a number of people were already on to us, worried about, had been thinking about Jared's par- parents and worried about them without the phone. So that's good to know that that has been uh, sorted out. Uh, Christine in Cork says there are a few good reasons to keep pay phones. Uh, maybe they could be, there could be less in the cities that there are at the moment but there certainly should be at least one in every town and in every village you may not need them in very busy or 
areas with, you know, urban areas where there's a lot of people around and, you know, somebody's bound to have a mobile phone, but in more, more the more rural areas, but at least one, Christine says, in every village and in uh, every town. Someone else has a suggestion for, this is for the listener who's at the knock of the door and air hunters are at the door saying, we've got a long lost relative belonging to you. And of course, we know that uh, if she allows them to go down the route, they, they will take a commission. Somebody says, tell that lady to get a solicitor. They'll do all the work for them, including all of the uh, checks. They'll have to be paid, but they certainly won't take a 25% commission. It might be a cheaper way to do it. Mary in League says, Emily from Air rang me twice this morning. My son told her to... <clears throat> off on both occasions so it's very different even though I think saying it to Emily in airs of no use because as far as I know most of the Emily when she's calling it's it's an answering machine isn't it it's a pre-recorded message is what she is uh, is so you can you can swear and do everything that you want to do but you're not going to get very far uh, with it so the transition year development education group at Mill Street Community School are hosting a coffee morning tomorrow morning in Mill Street Parish Centre at half past ten until twelve noon it's called Women Hold Up Half the Sky and it's an acknowledgement of International Women's Day which takes place the following week the 8th of March active retired ladies are invited to come along for a cuppa some homemade cakes and a, and a chat with the 11 T-wise in the group. That sounds uh, lovely. Good luck to everybody involved there. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon. Nick could play two tracks from Ed Sheeran, you never know. And if he does, it means you could be winning because we've had a number of winners already. Here's some of them. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 after the Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. To celebrate our latest radio ratings, C103 is dishing out free money. Free money. With C103 Cash Track. Would you believe me if I told you that you're caller number 50? Oh my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> Any plans uh, for the money? Oh, I think I'll take a weekend away. I hope I'm caller 50. You are caller 50. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Congratulations to you. You've just oh, won for yourself 500 euro. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Cash Tracks. With Kavanaugh's, the new name for Ford and Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Kavanaugh's.com. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. C103. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.